supposed to be my turn. <laughs> Kid Leroy took it from me. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play with moves at the blue line here with you. All-star edition. It's been all-star weekend. Great time. We're going to dive into that. A couple other things going around on around the league. First things first to address. Obviously, I'm not the voice you're used to hearing. Uh, we are without Mr. Leo Stoddard today, so it's just a Joey and Dane show. And with that, I'd like to... Um, Introduce our director of player grieving, um, finding out that Tate McRae is not single uh, early the, on this beautiful Sunday morning. Dane Dreyfus, how are we holding up? Hey, now you're an all star. Go Tate McRae. Um, I'm not doing so hot. Yeah, and I, I know I'm really, I'm really sorry for you. I thought you had a chance. I thought I did too. Um, I thought I was spitting mad game. Yeah, Dane, Dane and Tate McRae's DMs every day. Hey, how are you doing? Yeah. How's how are your mental facilities holding up? I'm always a shoulder if you need one. Yeah, it's um, I would I would have kicked Cole Sillinger's ass for her, <laughs> and like the kid Leroy, like this reeks of Bieber setting this up. Like I'm so rattled. I, I had such it was not to mention too. I suffered a bad beat gambling wise on the All Star game because I had Team McKinnon. I had Team McKinnon money line. Uh, parlayed with Team Matthews money line for the first for the semifinal games, and of course I got McDavid. So McDavided, I got McDavided, which is tough. And we're going to talk about the All Star game here first because that's the biggest story in the NHL this past week. Um, and man, what a great thing! And I think the first thing to address is the NHL does nothing better than shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, this is the first All-Star game in recent memory that I can remember having such a positive reaction. I think everybody really likes the three-on-three format. The draft was really fun. The players looked like they gave a shit, except for one guy who I'll talk about later. Um, but And it's not Nikita Kucherov. Yeah, but it was like super fun. I loved it. The jerseys were sweet, and it's so NHL to have a great event that you finally like are on the cusp of getting it right. And then they're like, eh, next year we're not going to do it. It's, it's incredible. Not to mention too, like my thought process behind this whole event and like, or my post thought process was the fact that I'm like, I was evaluating it compared to the other four professional sports, all-star events. And I was like, this was the best game. Like, like out of all of them. And that bar isn't, very high Mm -hmm. but if i had to rank them i was like it was this all-star game i actually do like the nba nba's all-star weekend and i think those players actually really care about it like in the way they do the formatting with the points where it's like once you get to this amount of points it's the next person then they take it seriously yeah so it adds an element of we do our uh fun and then we take it seriously and it's good basketball aside from the point mlb all-star game sucks NFL doesn't even do the All-Star game anymore. They just do a skills comp, which is fine. But Sean Taylor laying out the punter was enough. They're like, that's it. Yeah. mm, Rest in peace, Sean Taylor. But. All right. What a legend. I digress. This game was awesome. It was intense. We saw some great moves. 
We saw some great facial hair. Shout out Philip Forsberg. Oh my God. This is are we are is the Philip Forsberg glazing starting? Yeah. Okay, dude. Philip Forsberg. So Austin Matthews, his team won the All Star game. He was voted the MVP. But God bless it. Philip Forsberg has been one of my favorite players in the league for almost the entirety of his career. I love the way he plays. He's got such a wicked shot. Been with the Preds his whole career, but first or second best player in franchise, or like you think of Nashville Predators players in franchise history, it's Pecorine, Roman Yossi, Philip Forsberg. Like those are the guys, and all of them, while incredibly underrated, it's like it's a it's a pretty good trio right there that if, that played together until obviously Rene retired in like 2018. But like Roman Yossi and Philip Forsberg have been Nashville Predators for almost a decade now yeah and i just love phil and he got to he got to put on he got to put on a little bit of a clinic because everybody knows he's got a great shot but he was doing some cool stuff with his hands and he just was looking great out there and him and it was what him to and barzal mm-hmm. was that line and they were like they were humming I think if Phil Forsberg played in a bigger hockey market, and I love Nashville, and it's a great non-traditional hockey market, but if he played in like for the New York Rangers or the Toronto Maple Leafs, which he for so many years was rumored of getting like traded for William Nylander, Phil Forsberg would be looked at like Peter Forsberg, no relation, yeah, and not similar games at all, but like the name recognition, and he would be a much bigger deal if he played in a in a bigger hockey market. No, he was awesome, and the the whole the whole event was just so fun like the skills competition is always kind of fun and you know they they always do that pretty well but the games themselves were really fun to watch it was a great product um can i get a coach power ranking real quick yeah so the celebrity coaches um and this is the course of the whole weekend yeah i think so not just like the game i think you got to go buble number one that guy was a riot um he it the bet not to interrupt after I literally asked you a question, <laughs> but the best part about this weekend is how unhinged not only the NHL got, but NHL social media got. And I'm coming at you, uh, gay NHL Twitter, and I'm not saying it in a negative way. They took over. I they had a field day. I'm and I'm so glad. Dane and I were talking last night, and I'm so glad he said something because my whole Twitter feed this past weekend was like. These horny ass NHL tweets. There was a picture. They did all these like big portraits, and there was a picture where Matt Barzal didn't have pants on. Yeah, and I think I saw that picture like ten times. Yeah, it was just like these girls tweeting. They're like, "Woof." <laughs> For me, it was um, the Austin Matthews leaning over Bieber and Bieber just spanking that ass. <laughs> like, no, the boys, the boys were buzzing. The boys were. Buzzing. But it, 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 do your power rankings real quick, and then we'll dive more into it. I apologize for interrupting. No, so power ranking or for co- uh, for celebrity coaches, Bublé number one guy was an absolute riot. Um, I'd say Bieber and McRae they can be tied for second, and then Will Arnett. He like he wasn't bad. He just wasn't in the. He spot. was the old man of the group for sure. Yeah, which he's still fun. Um, I mean, it's Lego Batman. You're you're like let me just say. Your coaches were literally Lego Batman, um, up and coming sex symbol and uh, pop star Tate McRae, who's on the up and up, 
generational, oops, sorry, hot, <laughs> generational singer, songwriter, and sex symbol, Justin Bieber, and then classic musical singer, and also, sex symbol. Also one of the biggest <laughs> Vancouver Canucks fans in the world. Microdosing on mushrooms, Michael, Michael Buble. Buble. So they, they not almost everything about this weekend, the NHL knocked out of the park, having it in Toronto, the like the support was crazy. It was hilarious. Uh, Kucherov getting booed like that was fantastic. Like the crowd was into it. The musical performances were awesome. The oh games God. were awesome. Like it was it was just a great weekend for hockey. It's supposed to be my turn. <laughs> Kid Leroy took it from me. There was a funny um, I and I loved I, another thing. The the live interviews from the bench, like as the game were going on, it was Weeksy and um, Emily Kaplan, and those were fantastic. Um, and during the championship game, the team McDavid versus Team Matthews, um, they did uh, they did an interview. I think it was it, it was either like it was one of the guys on Team Matthews. It might have been like Barzal or. Uh, maybe it was like Morgan Riley, but somebody and Emily Kaplan asked, they're like, what'd you guys think of the concert? <laughs> and I think whoever she was interviewing was like, yeah, some of the guys were really into it. Um, I know Tom Wilson and someone else. Oh, it was were... Marner. It was Wilson and Marner. He's taken though. I know. And but they stayed out to watch it. You know, those like TikToks that are like, if there was one guy on your team, you wouldn't want to date your sister. Who would it be? I would imagine if there's one guy from the All-Star game I don't want dating Tate McRae, it's Tom Wilson. That's the one guy. Like, you're like, oh, all these guys look so wholesome. Like, Jeremy Swayman would be so cute with Tate McRae. And then you just see devilishly handsome Tom Wilson, <laughs> who had two ha- who has two hands and they're not made for scoring goals. <laughs> Buddy had nine goals and 12 assists for 21 points and got him into the All-Star game. His one job was to find Tate McRae. <laughs> I love you, Tate come back to me <laughs> you broke me first <laughs> she's getting texts from her exes right now uh, i saw a tweet too and this is is if my ex showed up to my place of work and served that hard i would have my uh, letter of resignation on my boss's desk within the hour <laughs> <laughs> so you, that's gonna play so much better being bleeped out <laughs> And everyone will know to served what what I said after that. She was she was in def she was definitely serving. My mom was in the room while I was watching this, and she was like, "What this? What what are you watching, son?" And I said, "The NHL All Star Game." <laughs> I was so proud. I was so proud. Like Bieber had a great time. We're kind of scatterbrained because of how good of an event this was. Yeah, like there's there's so many positives uh, that we can talk about. I, I will get to my one negative really quick. Um, and it's the fact that in the semifinal shootout on uh, Team Hughes, that was captained by Michael Bublé, um, I was I was cheering for Team Hughes hard. I'm a big Michael Bublé guy. Uh, it would have been so electric to see the Hughes brothers together. It was a bummer that he was hurt. Um, Another winter day is, has come and gone away. And either Paris and Roman, I want to go home. Um, but JT Miller who I have been a hater since the first episode of this podcast when we did the Western Conference preview. I spouted my hate for JT Miller. He has turned it around this season. Has He's having a great season with the Canucks. The Canucks are buzzing right now. But when he went for a shootout, he didn't even make a move. He just went and got poke-checked. I was so pissed. 
Yeah, it affirmed my hatred for JT Miller. You're he's a very volatile player in the sense of where you fall on the spectrum of liking him, because you either love him or hate him. And he's there's polarizing. A, well, that was uh, volatile was the incorrect word. Polarizing was the word I was looking for. But a lot of people think he's a power play merchant and like a secondary assist merchant. But dude's got a cannon. I'm a huge fan of his game. I love his fire. I found myself to be very similarly emotional. As a player, in the sense of when things are going well, you love to be around, and when things are going bad, you want to be a catalyst for change. And I think it's better to be a player that's like appalled with the performance than a dude that's. Um, and I, I can't think of my vocab's been off today. And it's a player that's um, begins with a C, um, not content or contrite, but like complacent. Complacent, and there's probably another word that will come along, but complacent, like complacent with the play that's going on. So I, I, I know JT Miller did you wrong. I was done wrong by the whole team of Tate McRae and Nathan McKinnon. But I like the effort level. I th- like the thing is the reason I bet on team McKinnon is because he's a gamer and yo, the guys, the guys looked like they cared. Yeah. Like, I mean, nobody was throwing hits, but there was some really like some really high technical play. Like you saw a lot of these odd man rushes where like they're finding their guys are passing. And obviously, like on Team Hughes, where you've got a lot of Canucks and Team Matthews, where you got a lot of Leafs, that Kemi will already be there. Yeah. But like I, I brought it up earlier that uh Forsberg to Brink at Barzal line, like they were they were humming. Like they they were finding each other in difficult places, like they were putting the puck in the back of the net. Like it was it was so fun to watch just like the most highly skilled hockey players in the world just like having fun and still playing incredibly well. And game script wise too, what I what I liked about it is that McKinnon got to play with Sidney Crosby, his childhood idol, and their best friends. I mean, he was rocking Nathan McKinnon's sweatshirt after the game. <laughs> Drove LGBTQ plus hockey Twitter wild. Gay hockey Twitter was all gay over hockey one. Twitter was buzzing. And um but then also the championship game ends up being McDavid versus Matthews. That's what you pay to see. That's what you get. Not that there would have been anything wrong with Team McKinnon or Team Hughes, but it's like the two players that have won MVPs and go back and forth for being the best player in the world playing each other in the championship is really cool. And Jeremy Swayman cheated on Linus Olmark. Like this is this weekend was so unhinged. It was so unhinged. It was the best thing that could happen for hockey. And it's not happening next season. It's so funny. So we'll we'll, it, get, we'll get into that a little bit. Um, for those for those that don't know, um, Gary Bettman said a lot in his like state of the league address this past week. One of the things he brought up. Um, ooh, another thing we got to touch on Olympics. We're we'll gonna just, save that for Leo though. Okay, yeah, I, want, okay. I want Leo. Like we'll, I, I thought like in our little rundown, we didn't really touch on Four Nations Cup or Olympics. We can probably touch on Four Nations Cup a little yeah. bit to detail it, but the Olympics, Olympics that's gonna be very in depth with me, you, and Leo. We'll, we'll save that. So. But so the Four Nations Cup is what is taking place instead of the All Star Game next year, and it, so it's going to be. Canada, the U.S., Finland, Sweden. So the best players from those teams will be playing in an all-star game-like format. Um, But it's the NHL. They can't do two good things in a row. They had a great all-star weekend this week. And then they're going to exclude a lot of great players who are not from those four countries. Like, you're going to have an all-star event without Leon Dreisaitl. Or David Pasternak. Yeah, it's like... And it's... 
I, it's a cool concept. I get what they're trying to do because people love like the best on best country representative hockey. But with that announcement coinciding with the fact that players are going to be allowed to play in the Olympics again, it just doesn't make a whole lot of no. sense to me. I, I don't know. And it'll, it'll probably be cool to see, and I'm sure it'll still be like good hockey. But as far as like the event goes, I think it's a mistake to not, to not ride the momentum of this all-star game, not just ride the momentum, but I think where, um, it's kind of anticlimactic to have a four nations cup when they're going back to the Olympics. I think that was part of the trade was the, the NHL is like, we're going to make money off international play ourselves so that you guys could go represent your country. But what's going to be nice and necessary too, is we're going to see Connor McDavid in a team Canada Jersey for the first time since what is that? 2015 world J's right. Yeah, but he looked so good in a Team North America and, jersey. And my thing is, if you want to do... That got sensual. If, if you want to mm. do, like, your, you know, your your best-on-best best country versus country, just go back to the World Cup of Hockey format. Well, it's like, tough because of Russia. That's the... They're, the, they're literally the sticking point of why they can't isolate one country of players. So it's like, they legitimately used the the four like biggest hockey countries like and it sucks because like germany's programs up and coming we had the conversation yesterday that like a swiss team would be pretty decent um but at the end of the day when fans watch international hockey they get up for the games that are involve finland sweden uh usa and canada playing one of each other and and, i mean i the russia situation is tough and like you look at it and it's the same it's the same problem as the olympics because russia technically is not competing in the olympics uh, they'll probably do you know the olympic athletes from russia again mm-hmm. or something similar to that but i don't know it's to me it would make so much more sense that instead of doing this to replace the all-star game you just have the world cup of hockey before the season like you did and that was another event they knocked out of the park then never did again I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about Tate McRae right now. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's move off the All Star Game so you can get your mind off your money and your money off your mind. Um, we've got a couple big personnel moves over the past week uh, to touch on. We forgot one big thing. Okay. Or two big things because the All Star Game was so big. Bieber looked like he was a child and having a great time. That was just great to see. What are you doing with the nameplates on the bottom of the jerseys? Moving on. Yeah, the jerseys were sweet. Everything other than the fact that the nameplates were on the bottom. Awesome. We were like, we could have done a whole show just on well, all stars. Phil stuff. Forsberg was rocking the tuck. You couldn't even see it. Well, and there was mo- they didn't do individual numbers for the like. You got to keep your numbers. So yeah. They had repeat numbers. Like I think there was two like thirteens on a team. There was a Barzel and someone else were mm-hmm. both rocking thirteen. Moving on, though, we've spent a lot of time on this, and Tate McRae is haunting me right now. So, moving on, we do have some big personnel moves. Uh, we'll go smallest to largest here. I think the least impactful probably would be Sean Monahan to the Jets. Um, hmm. I you think that's I? Well, I honestly well, that, like. Okay, well, that's what we'll start with, and then we'll move to what you like. Yeah, but <laughs> listen here, buddy. <laughs> listen here, pal. So Sean Monahan, and I should have had this pulled up before I started talking about it. Um, Sean Monahan acquired by 
the New York or the New York Jets, the Winnipeg Jets, um, from the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Montreal receives a first round pick in this upcoming draft, and then a conditional third in 2027. Um, I'm not sure we know the conditions on that pick yet, um, but this is a guy who the Canadiens took from the Flames um, for a first. They they got a first for taking him. So at the end of the day, for taking two or three years of Sean Monahan, they're getting two firsts, which is a great deal because Monahan was a really exciting player in Calgary. Uh, dealt with some terrible, terrible injuries. Um, didn't know it, we didn't know if we were ever going to see Sean Monahan again. Um, so the Canadiens took on his contract, rehabilitated him. He's been pretty good for them this season. Uh, the Jets have been struggling without Mark Shifley in the lineup every night. Um, they needed a uh, second-line center, and I think they've got one in Monaghan. I think he complements that team really well, a team that I, it's no secret that I like the Jets, and I think that this is a great addition uh, to their lineup. I think you can throw Monaghan on your second or third line, and he's going to really contribute, and they've got some great high-end talent. Like I'm, I'm genuinely excited for the Jets after this trade. Um, so I was looking up because Sean Monahan's battled with injuries and like you said, like his career was threatened and I, I didn't want to guess at what his injuries was because it was documented and I was trying to remember there's two things that are really debilitating for hockey players, like career wise, um, back and hip. And he had a, he had a hip injury that was bad. And usually with the hip injuries, um, you're off your feet so long you have to relearn how to walk. And that means you have to relearn how to skate. And the fact that his career has like kind of had this trajectory where he's he's come back and he's at even 75% of what he was as a player. Because people forget like Sean Monaghan was like a franchise cornerstone. It was him and before it was Goudreau and Kachuk in Calgary, it was Monaghan and Goudreau. And that team just couldn't get over the hill. And honestly, the beginning of the end for the Calgary window was Monaghan's injury. Which is so sad because I think that team, like they were comprised of Monahan, Elias Lindholm, um, Johnny Goudreau, Matthew Kachuk, which in their primes is like that's insane. But it's a, I think it's a great get for a Jets team that already has really good depth. Nick Suzuki was pretty upset about losing him too. Um, shout out Jesse Pollock for just rubbing it in his face on accident, <laughs> but. Uh, I think it's a really great pickup for the Jets. He's a great locker room guy, great leader, contributes uh, about 20 to 25 goals a year with just playing smart, fundamental hockey. He's not a terribly gifted skater, which was always held against him, but he's not going to be playing a role that requires him to need to have this great two-way game. Yeah, and I think I think it's the perfect pickup um, for the or for the. Jets just because of what he'll be able to bring in a secondary role like he's not going to have to be a main facilitator but he's going to be a really good guy in your middle six he can play power play minutes um he was in his prime he was a guy you could rely on on the kill I don't know how much of that we'll see in Winnipeg um just because I don't think I don't think they're going to overuse him I think that this is a team that has always been really careful with their players um sometimes in history to their detriment but I think that they'll let him 
kind of ease in. I, the Canadians have done a good job of that too, like not trying to use him. Like, how many minutes does he have a night this season? Probably about fifteen is my guess. Yeah, I think he gets some PK time too. But the do, 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 like do, the do, last do, do. last thing you want is to run that guy into the ground again, especially when he can be a really good contributor contributor for your squad. I think he's a pretty good playoff performer too, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah. You know what he's averaging time on ice wise? What? In Montreal? Eighteen thirty seven a game. Good for him. Yeah. Man, the hit must not be bugging him that much anymore. And I mean thirteen goals, twenty two assists, forty nine games played. It's like he so he never really was a point a game player. He only had like one season like that. But he's that guy in his prime that could give you thirty and thirty all day. And those are the perfect second line centers. Like that's what Nazem Kadri was his whole career. And they added that to Colorado. And it, it got him over the hill. And it, it just, I, you're so proud of a player like that. You, you love to see it. So, with anything else to add on Sean Monahan? No, we could go over to the other trade that you think is apparently more important, even though he has worse stats than Sean Monahan. I think, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a better deal. I just think it may, it got a little bit more of a splash. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks acquire Elias Lindholm from the Calgary Flames. Uh, the Flames, in return, receive Andre Kuzmenko. Um, we'll get into his season. They also got a first-round pick, a conditional fourth. Those are both for 2024. And then they got a couple defenseman prospects, um, Hunter Brustevich and Yoni Yermo. I think Brustevich they compared to like the Adam Fox of the OHL and Calgary fans were like, get him out of here. He's, <laughs> he's not coming. <laughs> uh, Brustevich so far this year, um, he is playing for the Kitchener Rangers in the OHL. He's got 69 points in 49 games. Nice. Uh, he's only 19 years old. Um, he was a third round pick for the Canucks last year. Um, Sounds very Adam Voxy. He played played for the U.S. Uh, World Juniors team this past year, um, or the U the U eighteen team. My apologies. Um, so I, that's a good pickup for them. I like that. I Kuzmenko will be interesting for the Flames. Um, Kuzmenko, a guy who spent a lot of time over in the KHL. People were excited for him, and just for whatever reason, he's just not getting any tick. With the Canucks this year. Well, it's because they're buzzing, and with a lot of Russian players, their two-way game isn't the strongest, facet of their game. He had a great rookie season last year as a 27-year-old, but he was also uh, shooting at a 27% clip, which is about 13% over average uh, for what an NHL player should be shooting in the NHL for goal scoring. Um, so some regression was due, but it's been a lot worse for him this season, and he's also one of the slowest skaters in the league on a team that... that is really heavy on the four check and, and with that Rick Tockett style of play, just didn't really fit in with them. And it's kind of crazy with the players that uh, started with Vancouver last year because you had Bavillier, uh, Kuzmenko, or no, Bavillier came over in the Horvat trade, but Horvat, Kuzmenko, and Bavillier all out that played on Vancouver last year. And you add Elias Lindholm and that's about it. But they're getting production, too, from some really good bottom six players in Dakota Joshua, Sam Lafferty, shout out, former Blackhawk. Um, 
I like the move because Lindholm is a great two-way player. So, and when he's on a good team, his offensive stats usually reflect that. And the Flames have just been. You can look at Elias Lindholm this this season, and his stats do not jump off the page at you. Like he was, aside from Tom Wilson, is he the lowest scoring All Star? Um, for I actually the defensemen are outscoring him. I keep forgetting yeah. that there was only four defensemen. But I, I think he might actually, aside from Tom Wilson, be the lowest scoring. It's because Calgary had to send somebody. And, and it, they got nobody because yeah, <laughs> he lit, dude. They he should have still wore his Calgary. He was a Calgary All Star. Yeah, he didn't play any games for Vancouver yet. Yeah, but I mean, for for Lindholm, I think that he'll have an uptick. The Flames have just been so dysfunctional this season. Like it has been, it has been brutal in Calgary this year. Yeah. Um, and they were kind of, they could have at least like looked up the road. And been like, okay, well, the Oilers are bad too. And then, you know, McJesus had his come to himself moment and uh, turned it on. And now the Oilers are the hottest team in the West. But it, it's over in Calgary. They have stopped party rocking. <clears throat> like, it, it I th- have a feeling that they're going to be kind of, I don't want to say like the laughing stock, but they're going to be bottom feeders for about five or seven. And I mean, years. they just have every move that they've tried to make in the past couple of years. And this is like, I, Brad Treliving. I mean, it's he got out at the right time when he left Calgary to go uh, to Toronto this past offseason because some of the moves that he made in Calgary are not aging well. The biggest of those is the Jonathan Uberdo contract is just such an albatross weighing over them. Well, my thing is, is when they made that deal and got Huberdo and Uyghur, Uyghur in a first for Matthew Kachuk, I'm like, that's I thought a, it was a fleece. I thought it was a fleece. And. It shows you sometimes players are propped up by a system, and I still think Huberto is a great player, but it's it just it's it's a mess in Calgary. It sucks. Like Huberto, I could actually see being a Blackhawk if they retain a little bit on him. Like it, it I, he just started an eight-year deal, deal this year that he's making ten million per, and the Blackhawks. It's like you play pair a player like Huberto where he's a pass-first player with a player like Connor Bedard. And you're paying him eight mil a year. I think it could be like a Jeff Skinner situation where if he gets relocated, he'll he'll figure it out. So, it ultimately on that trade, I think Calgary's doing the right thing. They're getting some youth. Uh, they got some picks, and the Canucks are gonna look to keep rolling. Like it's, I don't think it's an all-in year for sure. I don't think there's a there's a winner or a loser to this trade. I think both teams got what they wanted. Like the Flames wanted to get rid of Elias Lindholm. They they didn't had had no use for a player like that on this current Flames team. Dude, what's crazy? The Petter, Pedersen's contract, I think, is going to be about eleven million, eleven to twelve million. That's yeah. And Pedersen's been really playing it close to the vest and wanted to wait this year out to see how Vancouver did. But I think this is best case scenario for Vancouver and Pedersen getting him resigned. Um, I mean, you'll have to wait and see what the postseason success looks like, but. I think if they get to the second round, at least, I think Pedersen is in Vancouver for a very long time. So moving on to our next uh, personnel change. This one comes uh, behind the bench. The LA Kings um, were looking to be contenders this year. Um, Turns out they're pretenders. They certainly have been pretenders. Um, It came down during All-Star Week that they fired head coach Todd McClellan and... The, for a team that 
was supposed to be on the rise, this is a big step back, I think. They are the team that is like kind of they're trying to do the Dallas Stars model of the the mixing the old with the youth and the lineup just doesn't have much cohesion and the player that I think is very like uh, it's obvious that he's at fault is Pierre-Luc Dubois he's a coach killer he's a coach killer he's a locker room killer he doesn't produce he damn French Canadians man (laughs) damn French Canadians and bigger hot doggers than bigger hot doggers than Russian players. I think when you look at this firing, I don't know if Todd McClellan was the right guy to have on the chopping block when it comes to front office positions and team management positions. He's the lowest on the totem pole, right? Mm-hmm. So he's going to he's going to get the axe first, but LA GM Rob Blake is not without fault. Like you look at the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade that they made, got acquired him from Winnipeg. They give up, up Alex Iafalo, Gabe Velarde, and some pieces to get PLD in here. Dubois has been a, awful. He's been a minus. He has been a detriment to this team. And you look at Winnipeg, Gabe Velarde is having a career season. Iafalo, great two-way guy. And those are guys, too, who fit really really well in McClellan's system you gave up a king's ransom for a guy (laughs) that is looking like like David Clarkson bad and it's it I that's why I can't put fault on Todd McClellan for this because he's a coach who has always been so staunch and we are going to play a 200 foot game Mm. we are going to be just as good in our zone as we are in the attacking zone and you took away two players that are phenomenal two-way guys. Mm-hmm. And you give one guy who couldn't give a shit on defense and barely gives a shit on offense. And he's supposed to be like your savior. He's playing third-line minutes. Yeah. And like, what was the... I, I'm just confused at what the thought process was bringing PLD in. And I didn't love the trade at the time. I hate it now for the Kings. Mm-hmm. Because you look at it, you still have Andre Kopitar. Still a great player. He's playing on your first line. Then you've got Phil Deneau. The, I I feel confident in saying it now with Bergeron out of the league. The best two-way center in Wrong. the game right now. Who Who's better? Barkov. Ah, Sasha Barkov. Well, he is the most underrated. No. <laughs> I mean, yeah, according <laughs> we'll, to the players. We'll, 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 get, to we'll get to that. But Phil Deneau, top three two-way centers. Will you give me top three? I don't even know if I can give you top three, but top ten, I'll, all top ten all day, like top, top five. I can't. I don't know if I can give you top five because JT Miller falls into that. Yeah, get I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But like, there's about to be some punches. Like Elias Pettersson's really good two way. But on, on, like Ante Kopitar is in front of him. Then you've got um, but Barkov. Phil Deneau is like should be a Selkie contender every year. Yeah, like and he is Nico Hishier. Yeah, like he fits in the echelon of those guys. in his defensive game and he's got a little bit of finish like he is he is perfect for Todd McClellan's system and their wingers they've got some young guys they've got Fiala uh Kempe Fiala's not that young I'm sorry young guys comma not semicolon sorry so the the young guys and then separately Fiala and Kempe but I don't know dude it's just like well this is the this team you have like a kind of 
they have a little bit of a window right now before Kopitar ages out and Kempe ages out and Dowdy ages out. Of, and Byfield's going to need to get paid. And so you have this little window right now where you could put something together. They're they're not the best team in the league on paper, but you get hot, you make some you make some good moves, and this could be a team that was contending, but they just really kneecapped themselves. And now it's gonna you're gonna waste the last productive years of Kopitar and Dowdy, and you're gonna have to figure out what to do with Pierre Luc Dubois because you're not gonna win with him. I think that's been proven is he had no success in Columbus. He was a detriment in Winnipeg, and now he's he's like single handedly killing the the Kings. The, the thing is, too, with um, the Kings, and I totally agree. This is a Rob Blake problem. He's failed to insulate this lineup with good high young draft picks. Arthur Kaliev looks like he's going to get traded uh, from L.A. He, he has he like officially asked out. Yeah. Yeah, I, be- I believe so. And then the Blackhawks get a lot of flack for ta- taking Kirby Doc at pick three in that draft class that featured Matthew Boldy, Trevor Zegris. Um, Alex Turcotte was taken fifth overall and just played his first NHL game. And I Turcotte's still a guy who I believe no. will be good. No, like th- like third line, like ceiling. I don't. I don't know. I still. I still have faith. I loved him in that draft. Like I wanted the Hawks to pick him so bad. Well, I actually have inside sources on why the Hawks didn't take him. Was he a Steel kid? Um, he went to Fenwick. I don't think he. I think he was a Mission kid. So he played yeah, Mission. He was, he was local though. He was local. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the reason the Blackhawks didn't take him is because he was not going to sign and he was going to go play in college. That's why they took Kirby Doc. Like, really? like this is a source that knows, um, Turcotte. And heard that from Turk. So this is from hearing from a person to a person. So I hate to be like that. Dane's protecting his sources right now. Good journalist. Yeah. For for being the only guy on a pot, on the pod without a journalism degree. Props to you. Yeah. That's big J stuff. Yeah. But the reason why Turcotte wasn't. And wouldn't that be crazy if this like blew up on socials that it's like sources from Alex Turcotte's <laughs> camp or <laughs> the reason the Blackhawks didn't pick him is because he wouldn't sign and play right away. That That would have been a huge story four years ago. Yeah, but I, I had I had no pull. Like, I, who am I going to get that story to? <laughs> you got no audience. Yeah, but um, I bad pick. Kalia hasn't worked out. I like Brant Clark, but you trade a player like Sean Dursey. Oh, um, that's brutal. Yeah, and it's bad. It's not. It's not good. And not to mention, too, you're going to have to pay Quinton Byfield, who's probably going to get about a six to seven million dollar bridge deal. Um, Kevin Fiala, I like the signing, but they've also had to sign big free agents and trade um guys to get these big name players i believe fiala was traded for brock faber if i'm not mistaken yeah and that's like another player that would be looking good they failed um their goaltending position they've rotated between the last two or three years it's been a combination of jonathan quick phoenix copley cam talbot david riddich and and the youngest guy in that group is riddich and he's 31 yeah and like it's and now Quick's having a renaissance season in um, he's, New York. He's arguably better than Shesterkin this year. And this, the Cam Talbot was the Kings all-star this past weekend. And that's a guy who just got benched. Like, he's riding pine now. And it, Phoenix Copley is on LTIR, but he's also up after this year. He's 32 years old. He just made it in the league a couple seasons ago. Did you know the Kings in that three-way trade for Pro—or no, did they pick up Provorov last year? They, for some reason, have 
$2 million of retained salary of Ivan Provorov. They must have been like a third team in that trade. Because that was that between Philly and Columbus and then... God, Rob. So they must they must have just had like one of those ones where. Why is Rob Blake helping out? Like you're not a team that should be like, yeah, we'll take on dead calf for the, two years. Yeah, you're not the Hawks. You're not the. You're in your window, buddy. You're an idiot. I just he is so poorly mismanaged this team, and you're, dude. You've got Pierre Luc Dubois for eight and a half million until twenty thirty thirty one, like. How are you? You can't get out from under that because no, no team in their right mind wants him in the locker room because you have teams who are competing who know he's going to be a detriment on the ice, and you've got teams like the Hawks who are trying to build a culture with their young talent, and he's going to be a detriment in the locker room. So there's no spot that you can put PLD unless you give up some serious assets with him to send him to Montreal send him yeah send him to Montreal and you have to send a first with him and then he'll have a renaissance and Montreal get a first back for him because that's just he doesn't have a no move which is maybe the only good thing Rob Blake has done is not give him a no move clause on that contract but do me do me a favor for the Kings yeah don't look at cap friendly and don't look at the roster name name me one defenseman besides Drew Doughty oh that's tough um (laughs) <laughs> yikes i don't know puck <laughs> uh, well here's the thing is i know puck and this decor is so sorry oh i just looked at it i could have gotten gavrikov yeah Gav- gavrikov is a pretty I, good i should have i should have gotten gavrikov everybody else michael anderson tw- matt tw- roy andreas anglin jordan spence 26 million for that decor is insane I and I mean I I guess I'm not familiar with Michael Anderson's game. He's signed until 2030 at 4.125, and maybe that's a deal. He's better known as Mikey Anderson. Mikey Anderson, okay. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's a deal where we'll look at it and be like, yeah, the Kings did the right thing, locking him up for term. Um, but dude, they have Dowdy on the books for 11 million for three seasons after this one. They're they're cooked. Like it's Jover. Let's see, Mikey Anderson. How's he doing? Um, he's a he's a middling defenseman. Like his like he's a a good defensive defenseman. Yeah, his numbers his numbers aren't terrible. Uh, just looking through right now, I mean, twenty points, not terrible. Um, he's got some good. He's got some good minutes. His his Corsi four isn't terrible. Like, sorry to get like. St- all analytical but yeah i guess that's not terrible it's it could be worse but overall this king's team i think they're just in a lot of trouble and i think they focus way too much on the forward group i think todd mcclellan was the guy that you threw out of a sinking ship to save weight yeah like i don't think i don't think you're gonna make it to shore so to speak by getting rid of todd mcclellan i in the next five years, I'd be surprised if this Kings team looks anything like it does now, and that includes upper management. I, and it's a bummer because you're you're wasting the last good years of career of two top five LA Kings of all time, like Dowdy, Dowdy, and Kopitar. Ooh, top five. Here's now. Here's my top five. Here's my top five. Yep. Gretz. Sure. Robitaille. Yes. Dion. Yep. 
Kopitar, Dowdy. Hmm. No quick. Goalies are tough. I'm trying to think. Um, Bernie Nichols. Oh, not in the hall. Yeah, and those players, all the players. <laughs> we talked. We talked about that before the show. I was doing one of the uh, the um, like the hockey grid trivias or whatever. Yari Curry. And uh, no, he's an Oiler. Yeah. But um, what I there was a one of the sections was a thousand points Hall of Fame, and I thought I was sniping with Bernie Nichols. Guy's not in the Hall. That's a travesty. Yeah. Put that guy in. What are we doing? Get Bernie in the Hall. But yeah, Cop- Kopitar and Dowdy will be in the Hall. Hundred percent. So I. Oh, Two of the best players in franchise history, and you're just hanging them out to dry here. Sounds familiar. Well, we're not going to talk about that. Yeah. We're not going to talk about sounds, that. Sounds familiar. Yikes. Yikes. That's a tough parallel. You know what's crazy is like how <laughs> similar the roster construction looks, too. With like, it just Byfield gives Kirby Doc vibes while Kopitar's Taves, obviously. Um, Fiala, who's actually probably living up to his deal. I don't know. It's just not. I'm not a fan. And the Pacific is just so top heavy, too, that it's like best case scenario. Like you've literally got to you've got Vancouver, Edmonton, Vegas that are just miles better than you. And I just I just don't understand. Like you've got 37 year old Trevor Lewis, like a career AHL are playing on this team night in, night out. He's not a career AHL. He's up I think you're con- I think you're confusing with Sean, uh, with Clifford. Trevor Lewis is like a career, like bottom six forward. Let's see what Hockey DB has to say about that. Oh yeah, he guess I guess he got a lot of tech. Yeah, apologize. I, Trevor Lewis, I am very sorry for calling you a career AHLer, although you did put up some nice numbies with the Manchester Monarchs. You know, and he played. Oh, that was lockout. Played six games for the Utah Grizzlies in the coast, though. You know, I think that's enough talk about. The Kings. Is it time? I think it's time to talk about our King. It's time for Miles a Minute. Dane, do the Miles a Minute this week. Um, because you already got it up. Well, did he? Did you? What's the most recent game that they played in? I, I, this is a this is an apology I have to make to the listeners. We did not do Miles a Minute last week. Could you pull it up? Because I actually don't even know how to see his most recent stats. But I'm gonna go to his Instagram and see if he had any vacation plans for All Star Weekend. Or we're gonna we're gonna update you on and off the ice. Your number one source for Miles Wood news here moves at the blue line. So Miles Wood um, missed some time earlier uh, in January. He's back. He's been back on the ice recently. Um, I'll just give you his last five because I can't remember exactly when uh, we did Miles a minute. The last five games, Dane. You want to guess how many points he has? Two, six. Our point of game. Miles <laughs> Miles has been on an absolute tear. He's got two goals, four assists in his last five. Uh, the Avalanche have gone four and one in that stretch, uh, thanks in no small part to Miles. Um, he's putting pucks on net. He's got twelve shots in his last five games. Um, he's putting the biscuit in the basket, uh, averaging about sixteen minutes of time of ice time a night. Uh, he's throwing the body around a little bit. He's got five hits, three of them in that Boston loss. Um, but you know, good for good for Miles Wood. He's putting he's putting together a little uh, little back half of the season. I'm proud of our boy. That's our boy. We'll get we'll get him on the pod. We have to. He's our white whale. <laughs> he is truly our white whale. 
So wrapping it up. So wrapping it up, the last thing we wanted to get to um, on the pod here today, uh, something that happens pretty much every year, and it's always really fun when it does, and it just makes for great content, great talking points. Great banta. Great banta. Banta. Uh, the Athletic conducts an anonymous NHL player poll every year, and we got ours on January 31st this year. And a lot of fun questions. Number one being, who's the best player in the league as voted by the players? No shock. Almost 70% uh, said Connor McDavid. The next guys on the line were Nate McKinnon, Nikita Kucherov, and then Sidney Crosby. Those are some old heads right there. Yeah. Uh, I would like to know the demographics and, and age grouping of the people that answered that. Probably like 35 plus. <laughs> Every, you, it, in order to vote in this poll, you have to have a 35 plus contract. Yeah. Uh, best goalie in the league, Andre Vasilevsky with 44%, then followed by Hellebuck, Demko, um, Ilya Sorokin, and Igor Shosturkin. Um, Mark Andre Fleury got almost 3% of the vote, which. Just goes to show that reputation probably matters a little bit more in these polls than actual stats. Popularity contest sometimes. And I mean, makes sense because Fleury's one of the best guys in the league. Everybody loves him. Right. Uh, next one, we got most underrated player in the league. And this is otherwise known as the Alexander Barkov Award. Uh, he wins it every year. No different this year with 12% of the vote. A lot of guys got votes for this one. Um Anybody you were surprised you didn't see on this list? No, because of the other category. I really like Chandler Stevenson getting a vote. Um, I don't know. Rupe Hintz is also, I think we've had that conversation. Kyle Con- like, There's a lot of underrated players, but I think Phil Forsberg, we talked about too, not getting any votes is insane. Yeah, and he's he is a guy who, like, yeah, he was an all-star. Yeah, he got some votes for best player in the league. I still think he's underrated. You got to vote for best player in the league. Yeah, he's he's up there. He, him and Artemi Panarin. I didn't even see that. Wait, best player in the league. Oh my god, he got a vote. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. He got more than one because it's oh, almost two hundred guys in this. So to make it onto the chart, you got to get a couple votes at least. Yeah. Um. Here's a fun one. Most overrated player in the league. Uh, Trevor Zegras ran away with this one, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Zegras this year has been a lot of flash and not much else. Um. I don't know how much how much of that fault falls on him playing on that awful awful Anaheim Ducks team, um, but tough look there for Zegs. Yeah, I'm looking at the most overrated, and the two players that I'm disappointed that are on the list are Matthew Kachuk and Jason Robertson because I don't think they're overrated whatsoever. No, and then I do think it's funny that um, Pierre Luc Dubois and Patrick Line got the exact same amount of votes. Those are two guys that will probably be tied to each other for the rest of their careers. Going second and third and then getting traded for Like that, oof. The Leafs should be very grateful they got first that draft. Yeah. It would have been pretty funny if they got second or third. Yeah. Well, if they got third, uh, PLD would have already forced his way out. Yeah. No kidding. This is the next, the next poll is literally my favorite poll. So the next poll, who is the player in the league whose face you'd most want to punch? Big. Big percentage, twenty almost twenty nine percent voted Nick Cousins. Did I not have a take earlier this year on the pod that I think Nick Cousins might be the most hated player in the league? And this affirms that a hundred percent. So Jason Zucker is actually a superhero. 
Like, might be the most beloved in the league. But, um, yeah, Brad Marchand being blown out. Like, he should be a little upset. Like, he he might have to <laughs> Mar- stir the pot a little Marchie's bit. Marchie's lost a step. Um, other guys on that list, Matt Kachuk, Michael Bunting, Garnet Hathaway. Oh, both Kachuk brothers made it. Um, so some more surprising ones uh, down towards the bottom. Um, I think it's hilarious that Zegris is on this list. Um, Nazem Kadri is one that I, I laughed. My favorite one on this list, though, Jeff Skinner. So I think that's homophobic because he's a big like I know we've talked a lot about about gay Twitter, but him being a figure skater is always a big like talking point. You got to you know what my question is? I wonder if any of these players were voted on by a teammate. That's that'd be hilarious. I wonder if you weren't allowed. I'm sure you were, but it's like I mean, it's an anonymous poll. I'm trying to like a Vander Kane's couple of votes. Probably former teammates, I'm sure. Dustin Bufflin came you, back. You, yeah, Dustin Bufflin. <laughs> just to vote in this poll. Um, some other interesting ones. Mackers and Taylor Radish from the Hawks. Which is hilarious. I hope I hope that was a Hawk. The fact that Mackenzie Entwistle got a vote in this. I hope they voted for each other. Eric Branson. I mean, Trump. to be fair, you look at a guy who's got a punchable face. Mackenzie Entwistle, I love him on the Hawks. He's got a punchable face. My thing is with these, though, is it's like when asked this, it it's very personal. I don't think it's a very like, who do you think other players want to punch? It's who it, you want to yeah. punch. And it just goes to show you it's like what player has caused the most vendettas against him. And it's Nick Cousins and it's Brad Marchand. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, next question. Best ref in the game. Wes McCauley bullshit. wins bullshit. With, with over 50 percent. Um it's Macaulay is you love Wes Macaulay up until like if you're a new hockey fan, you love Wes Macaulay. If and, you if you know Puck, he's terrible. I was going to say you you love Wes Macaulay up until the point where you've been watching the game for a couple of years. You're learning more about it. And then you see, oh, Wes Macaulay just lets his favorite players get away with shit. And I'm biased because, you know, who my favorite ref is, is Steve Kazari, who we'll get to in a second. But. Um, my other favorite ref, TJ Luxmore, getting some love on this. He's, I think he. Whenever I watch his games, I'm always like very like I, I feel like I don't complain a lot about refs when I watch TJ Luxmore's games. So, which and I mean it makes sense. Um, Gina Bad. It, it makes sense. Gord Dwyer got a vote, huge for the name. Um, but I mean Wes McCauley is he is very buddy buddy with the players, which it doesn't make for the best refereeing per se but a lot of the guys like him a lot of the fans like him because he's funny so it makes a lot of sense worst ref in the game justin st pierre with 29 percent of the vote then friend of the show steve kazari with 13 percent of the vote um dane did you take that one personally my thing with steve is like so i feel like with these polls they usually the players that get asked are the everyday nhlers and the superstars because it's like their opinions matter the most um I would be really interested to see their philosophy of how they uh, take this information, how they like how they decide who gets asked these questions. But one thing that I think bodes well for Steve in this is if you look at the players that were in the top three for best refs, you have Wes McCauley, um, Kelly Sutherland, Other, and Justin St. Pierre. And then the top three for worst refs, it's Justin St. Pierre, Steve Gazzari, Other, and Wes McCauley. So, and, and just players, so there was only 132 respondents in the best ref in the game. And that compared to 92, who said who's the worst, 
Steve Kazari, as a person that I know personally, is a man of great integrity and is a student of the game and I think just calls a great game. Um, so I think there's just some salty players and I think there's probably some players that think that they should get away with shit and Steve just calls it like it is. So I'm always going to be in his corner and it, it is what it is. I know, funny enough, I've uh, talked with Nate and like... Nate, son of Steve Kazar. Son of Steve Kazar. Also a referee. Um, the whole city of Edmonton actually is like a personal vendetta against Steve Kazari. It's wild. They think that he like, like I don't, it's I don't even want to get into it. But it, he's it, one of the best officials in the game, and the fact that he didn't even get a nod for one vote of being the best, I think just goes to show you that they don't know they don't know ball. They, they don't know fuck. <laughs> um, best jersey in the league besides your own, one hundred forty six votes, twenty one percent of them, the most. Went to the Chicago Blackhawks. Well, and I I love if you look, it makes us so much sense. The top six, the original six, baby, the original six: Blackhawks, Red Wings, Rangers, Leafs, Canadiens, Bruins. In that order, it's the correct order too, which is wild to me. Yeah, I mean, and it just makes sense. Like the original six, there's so much history behind those jerseys. They all have such a clean, classic look to them. If you asked me, my top six favorite jerseys in the league, that'd probably be. My answer as well. So my thing, though, with this poll is because there's a big difference between jersey and uniform for me because um, the Coyotes uh, like create the Kraken and the Coyotes being the next couple. It's like, yeah, I, I agree with that. Sharks, too. I'm Sharks kind of surprised me for getting some love like that. But I'm a fan. I like yeah. the rebrand. I like going with the the like uh, it's a more muted. Yeah. Teal. Which um, I think it, it alludes back to their first colorway, which I like a lot. And I like the Avs jerseys, but I think their uniforms have gotten substantially better since they've switched to blue gloves and helmets. Um, surprised to see Vancouver getting some love here. I'm not a fan of those jerseys when they've got the a great retro logo. Um, Minnesota, I'm not a huge fan of their jerseys. Calgary's have gotten substantially better. Anaheim even getting one vote for ludicrous. Someone was joking. Someone had to say that. And like some, Someone was like, what do you think is the best jersey in the league? It's like, oh, it's got to be Anaheim. <laughs> All right, a couple more here to wrap it up. Uh, favorite road city to play in? No surprises. Uh, Las Vegas, number one, uh, followed closely by New York and then Montreal. Easily the three most fun cities in the league. Les habitants. Um, Chicago got a little bit of love on there. Uh, Nashville got some love. Vancouver. Uh as you would expect, I'm sure it's it's a treat getting to go out west and play in Vegas. Raleigh and uh, Tempe slash Phoenix are surprising because Raleigh, I've heard, has some of the worst ice. And then Tempe and Phoenix, there was literally just a recent report from an anonymous player that said it's a fucking joke. That, they, that one has to be a joke. I don't think so. I think that's a player that loves being on Arizona State's campus. <laughs> Somebody, somebody's going like it's got to be somebody in the central who goes down there like three times a year, just wheeling every time he goes down. Upgrades to Tinder Gold for that one. <laughs> he's he's paying the five ninety nine a month. That's Cole Sillinger's response. He was part of this pool. <laughs> and um, last question they asked: least favorite road city to play in. Forty one percent said Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Uh, tough look for the boys up in Winnipeg. That's a city of bridges. It's just 
it sucks with the hockey season being during the winter and fall, obviously, because the colder cities with less of a, a nightlife are going to take a huge hit here. Because, like, as a person who's been to Buffalo, Buffalo in the summer, oh, my God, beautiful. Love Buffalo. But, like, during the winter, some of the most brutal winters in, in the NHL. So And Ottawa is second. That makes sense as well because – Just you, a dog shit city. To it, be honest with you. And it, the stadium's in a fucking cornfield. Like – Move the team. Move the team. Eugene Melnick's gone. I talked about it last last pod. There's no no reason to stay. Yeah, a lot, lot of uh, tough uh, tough looks here, but but ultimately it's always a fun thing, fun to see um, how the players view their own league. It's a little bit a little bit of an inside look. So I think that's all we got. I'm trying to wait, if, no, if, if we're saving Olympics. Yeah, I think definitely. we're adding. Oh, we've we spent a what what time are we running at right now? I don't know. Leo's the one who usually runs the timer. We're just about at an hour. Love it. Um, uh, Joey Socials. Yeah. Dane Socials. Should we call Leo? Is he working right now? Dane Socials. Uh, moves at the BL on Twitter and moves at the Blue Line on Instagram. Classic Dreyfus. Um, yeah. Stay tuned. Uh, uh, I got to shout out my cousin, Ellie, and her friend, Becca, because apparently they've been avid listeners of the show, too. That's huge. Shout out Ellie and Becca. Yeah. Get out of here. I don't know. I can't I can't do a Leo impression. I don't know. We kind of... Leo's usually one that closes. We're sitting here twiddling our thumbs. Well, but now, can we close the show out with three songs? Because I feel like we have to do a McRae, a Buble, and a Bieber. Let's let's do Let's close out with a little fun of like, for each artist, pick, pick a song to close for each artist. For each artist? Um, guilty from Tate McRae. Okay. For obvious reasons. Um... So yeah, I'm a I'm a big Buble guy. I you know went to vocal jazz camp when I was in high school, so I, uh, I I'm a big fan of Buble. I'd have to go. Oh, it's a tough choice. I love his rendition of Mac the Knife. Uh, that's really good. His uh, version of Me and Mrs. Jones, mm-hmm. fantastic. I'd probably go with one of those. Um, or oh, his version of Stardust. Oh, so good. Um, I could go on Buble forever, and then Beebs. Dude, the best Beeb song, like hands down, is Mistletoe. And I'm sorry that it's a Christmas song, but it's that is an S tier Justin Bieber song. All right. Do you want my three or, now? Or Justin Bieber, I feel funny. I feel uh, funny. I, I'm thinking more of like closes, like good closes to the show. Okay, okay. So for Tate McRae, I'm gonna go working featuring Khalid. And I'm working. While I'm working. I don't know. I don't think it's a good close. Um, Justin Bieber, give me, uh, what is it, Hold On? I just need to hold on. Heaven is a place not too far. Like that one? Yeah, yeah. I feel like you're just <laughs> letting me make a fool of myself. And oh, then absolutely. Buble, give me uh, Haven't Met You Yet. A little, little bit of a normie pick, but all right. Well, I can't go with Home. Um, I, I love Home. Dane, Dane's such a boob-like casual. All right, we're wrapping it up. Stay tuned to hear the song we close out with. It'll be me editing, so we'll we'll see. Maybe maybe I'll throw Dane an absolute curveball. But thank you so much for listening. Um, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies uh, where they can find us, Moves at the Blue Line. Um, we've got some fun stuff coming up. Um, Hopefully we get back together. Me and, me and Leo are beefing. We refuse to podcast together right now. Yeah, it's it's a... It's a little bit of an issue, but uh, 
Yeah, we'll, we'll get all the boys back soon. We're looking to do some fun stuff. I know I say it every time, but visual elements coming soon. So really, really <laughs> sure look for is. those socials because um, we're going to we're going to pump out some cool stuff for you coming up here in a little bit. Um, or looking at maybe a little Las Vegas trip for the podcast in late June uh, for the NHL draft. But we will see on that. So until next time, um, I'm Joey. That's I'm Dane. Dane. Yeah, that's Dane. Dane's going to go cry a little bit. He's going to go sit in the shower for an hour, just look at a picture of Tate McRae. Um, I have a few of them. <laughs> but we'll be back next time. Thank you so much for, uh, for listening. Uh, hi. <laughs> you're an all-star. I said, are you serious? I try, but I can't figure out. I've been next to you all night. I still don't know what you're about. You keep talking, talking, but not much coming at your mouth.